the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello, welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson. Joining me as always in the broom cupboard, editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Trev, another busy week. Never yeah. a dull moment goes Good by, but we'll, uh, we'll get to Melbourne victory later. Yep. Um, let's uh, review A-League Round 7. Uh, kicked off uh, with Melbourne Hearts, achieving something they haven't achieved very often, which is uh, two wins on the bands. Yep. Uh, good win away for them at uh, Gold Coast. We talked about this um, Last week, as I know, we, it's a it's an oft banded around term, but is this a, was this a season defining victory for them to to, to back up from a, a good home win to go and win away? Obviously positive. I'm not sure if being the arguably you know the worst team in the division um, is a season defining victory, but I mean uh, could have been a season defining loss. Well, yeah, I mean it, it would have been a, a you know a genuine disaster if they if they'd gone there and lost. Uh, I don't know if you remember any of our predictions from last week, but to say that we were off the mark <laughs> might have been an un- understatement. I mean, you know, we'll get onto it, but I mean, predicting nil-nil for that five-goal thriller at Sydney on, on my behalf was. I predicted goals. Oh, did you? Yeah. It was you that was the sourpuss. Oh no, I'm, I'm not denying that. That's exactly the point I'm making. Um, it, in terms of this one, yeah, I've, I've, you know, Gold Coast haven't looked that bad for a lot of their defeats. So uh, home to heart. Um, you would expect them to sort of, um, you know, pick up some points, and it just, it, it's just such a different feel to Gold Coast now, isn't there? From from when they started, and all the way through, you know, the way the teams evolved, and the, you know, they are given a chance to to some of the younger players, and you do feel that if they've got a bit more experience under their belt, that they could have a better second half of the season. But they they're, they're just off the mark every game at the moment, um, and and can't seem to sort of you know improve on that. Yeah, well, they got back into it with, uh, with a young Schlager rocket. Uh, but then, you know, the classic mistake is get yourself back in the game, you know, 25 minutes left and then go and concede a goal five minutes later. Pretty which, straight away, yeah. You know, then sort of, uh, you know, nip the revival in the bud. Um, but as you say, I mean, they're, they're now bottom, uh, five points from seven games. Um, I mean, it's still early days. I mean, there's, there's still only five points. You know, there's, there's two wins between second and tenth, as tends to be the case in the A-League um, Certainly, uh, for, uh, you know, up until sort of Christmas time. So they're, they're, they're not out of it yet, but there's not really many sort of redeeming features for them at the moment to cling to, to go... Not got a big yeah. star to come back in or, yeah. you know, anything like that. I mean, just on the heart as well, um, Matt Thompson back back in the middle of the park, you know, where he should be, has made a massive difference, both because he he didn't look particularly comfortable at the back and, and secondly, because he's, he's one of the better midfielders in the league and, and should be playing there. So I, f- I think that's one of the, the reasons that they've turned the corner slightly. OK. Um, Wellington Phoenix uh, moved their game, uh, actually went to play in Auckland um, in Eden Park and, and 20,000 fans turned up. Incredible. You've got to ask yourself where they were when the Knights were in the league. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Just the novelty factor of the odd game seems to be working for them. Yeah, so uh, it was a 1-1 draw. Um, it got picked up to 1-1 draw thanks to uh, Nigel Bugard's uh, fantastic diving header in the wrong, at the wrong end. Yeah. Um, Eiffel came on and sort of had a, a pretty immediate impact with the, with the run on the cross for this goal. But again... Yeah, let's talk about Adelaide. You know, many people were picking Adelaide um, 
to be you know there and amongst it. And again, you know, let's put the caveat on this as with Gold Coast, it's still early days, but you know they're not really clicking to the extent that we would have thought that they would with the squad that they've got. Yeah, I mean, one thing we said before the start of the season, of all the teams that have recruited, Adelaide have arguably recruited the best, and that included a victory team that, that also went out and did well in the closed season. So, yeah, you, you would expect a little bit more from them. I mean, I, I suppose it, um, you know, they should be afforded a little bit of time with the new players to come in and stuff and the finals format, so if they can sort of hit better form mid-season, then it'll, it'll make the difference. But they can't afford to fall away in the way they did last season. I mean, they started incredibly, didn't they? And then it's just, it all went wrong for them. But yeah, they're, they're sort of ticking over at the moment, Adelaide, aren't they? Um, and you feel that they should be getting better with a, you know, better results for the players they've got. Yeah, OK. Um, Brisbane had their metal tested uh, at Osgood Stadium on the, yeah. on Saturday. A great um, game, this. It was a cracking game, yeah. yeah I, 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 it was one of the games that I managed to catch all of it throughout. And, um, I, you know, they, Newcastle really tested Brisbane. They, they went up, uh, 1-0 up, thanks to a, a neat, neatly taken goal by Ryan Griffiths. Um, and, you know, for a while they were struggling. Mm. Um, but in the end, they managed to, uh, to get back on level terms. And then that sub... Uh, Young lad, Maya came on and yeah. uh, really neat strike. I mean, that, those sort of balls played across you when you're trying to then, t- you know, change the angle on it. It's so easy to blaze those over the bar. Yeah. And he, he managed to control it. The day, temptation of those to try and hit it too hard. He didn't. He just sort of used the pace of the ball and steered it. And it was, uh, it was a great winner after uh, Henrique had, um, had got them back into the game. Yeah, sure. I d- there was sort of a, a bit of a turning point. And I, th- I think, him, you know, might have been Jer- Jeremy Brockie's chance that could have put the Jets two up. The Oklatos was, was grading in goal once again. Um, and if they'd gone two up, I mean, admittedly, it's um, it's the Raw and the Mariners of that two up, you know, not necessarily enough. Um, that could have made the difference. But, you know, a lot of talk has been for a while now how to beat the Raw. And people are sort of, you know, it's the real pub discussion, isn't it? You know, what you should do and... and you know how pragmatic you should be. So, for the Jets to take them on, um, play in a fashion that they want to play moving forward and push them so close was a, I mean, you know, an incredible result really, a, a good endorsement there. They're they're moving in the right direction. But, you know, the going it was interesting going into that last 15 minutes. Even though the raw the previous two weeks have gone into the last 15 minutes of games thinking that they'd just find a goal that against Wellington and then victory before that. There was a, still a bit of an inevitability that they were going to get that winner. You know, the way yeah. they sort of turn the screw and the possession I mean, and that, the pressure you know, goes let's up. Talk about, I mean, how much, you, know, you see it with good sides, you know, and it's, oh, lucky, late goal, late winner, yeah. you know, like Man United, we talk about Fergie time and whatever. Liverpool as well. How much of that do you think is, is that mental resilience that they, when you're on a run like this, that, you know, you look at the players around you and you think, you know, 2-0 down in the grand final in extra time with three minutes to go, yeah. four minutes to go. You know, it's that belief that it's never out of reach until it, it's actually gone that, that gets you through and, and keeps runs like this going. Whereas sides that are, are losing games, whatever, even when they get in, a, you know, it, it, there's that inevitability about when they go behind. Whereas with Brisbane, you feel that there's that, there's that inevitability that they always believe they're going to get back. And, and in the end, the opposition start to believe it as well. Yeah, and I certainly when you see that with Man United, you know, when you're at Old Trafford and you're one 0 up with two ten minutes to go, 
you still see the the opposition playing with that fear that you know there's going to be a lot of extra time. The board's going to go up with five minutes, and in that five minutes, they can still score two goals. Yeah, know? I mean, I remember when Liverpool were so dominant, like through the eighties, all the Man U fans they always get a last minute winner. Now that's the team that Man U have become. But I mean, you can't complain that football games are ninety minutes long. That's how long you've got to score. Um, so if a team grinds you down and gets a late winner, then you've, you've got no one to complain to. Yeah, well, it's put them six points clear at the top after seven games, which is uh, ominous for the uh, for the other nine teams. Um, they're on 17 points from seven games. And obviously, uh, this weekend is their uh, opportunity. There's been a lot of debate about what the record actually was, but it seems that everybody has agreed on the fact that... Um, the, the biggest unbeaten streak to date has now just been equaled by Brisbane, which was 35 games, uh, and that was a mark set by the Eastern Suburbs Rugby League team in the 1930s. So a win this weekend um, would see Brisbane become, well, can you say the most successful club side? I suppose the, the longest unbeaten streak of any club side in, uh, in any code in the Australia. The most consistently good, yeah. I think, would be fair enough. Yeah, I mean, that, that's some achievement. Fantastic. All right, Sydney FC, Central Coast Mariners. Trev predicted nil-nil. It was uh, it was three-two. Um, yet again, we've seen Sydney FC um, give a side a two-goal lead. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it doesn't help. The first thing I was going to say on this, I got an email this week from a, a a pod regular Christian, I think his name was, and he was saying, "I love the pod, but I don't think you guys give the Mariners enough credit for how well they do." And some of our comments are a little bit overly critical of the Mariners. Certainly not on purpose. We wouldn't not gone out of our way to criticise the Mariners, but it might be a fair point actually. They've sort of they didn't have a great start to the season, but you know they've really picked up now. They did great last season, and you know if they, if they carry on going, it, it could be the same one two as last year. I think. You Christian, know? read read the pre-season issue, mate. Tips the Mariners to uh, to be there thereabouts in the grand final. Um, I think it's Matt Simon clouds my judgment on the Mariners. <laughs> the but certainly the second. Everyone. I mean, Svansvig's. Uh, Free kick was a blockbuster, but um, you know the second goal, the finish from McGlinchey, controlled volley was uh, was a fantastic finish. Again, not not unlike Mayers for uh, for the Raw, is it those chances you see a lot of those sort of chances, and often they end up in Rosettes because it, yeah. it, it's that desire to make a connection. Whereas he just steered the ball in. Um, I mean, let's you know, let's talk about Sydney FC. You know, again, they've, they've made a slow start given they're at home, given the opposition a two goal lead, they weren't able to. Uh, to overturn it this this time, um, and again, you know, we talked about it with uh, with Gold Coast was they, they got themselves a lifeline with Nicky Carl's goal, but then immediately five minutes later they go three one down. I thought they'd be much tighter at the back this season, Sydney, than they have been. Um, I just I thought they'd really struggle for goals and have to grind <clears throat> grind out wins, but they've not you know turned up and played like that at all really. Um, and yeah, they're they're throwing away goals and they're throwing away goals at home as well. Um, and if they get a lead, they don't look like they're you know going to hold on to it. And if they um, you know fall behind, they're spending you know large proportions of the game chasing the game. Um, quick comment on on free kicks this week. Four screamers, wasn't there? Yeah. You know, Bremerton in in this game as well. Um, but um, I, I think the Mariners opener might have been the best of the free kicks. I mean, it's an absolute bullet, it was a rocket, wasn't it? Really? Yeah. You don't save them. Don't say them. Uh... Um, so that that meant that the uh, the Mariners have leapfrogged uh, Sydney FC on uh, on goal difference. Um, so they are second and third respectively uh, on 11 points with uh, with Perth a game back. So let's talk about um, that final game of the round, which was 
arguably the the best game of the round, or certainly from a, from a Perth Glory perspective. Two goals down, ten men. I mean, we have to talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, the refereeing. And, and the last man debate, or is it, <laughs> last it, is it a mean, clear goal scoring opportunity? I must opportunity? admit, on, on the red card, my first instinct was, he's got to go. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, and again, you know, there was debate about, and, and whenever we see a decision like this, it's like, oh, but there was, he wasn't the last man, he wasn't the last man. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the rules is not, was he the last man? The rule is, did he deny the player a, a goal scoring opportunity? Yeah, and, and last man's a, a term that means next to nothing. If it's a deliberate handball... Yeah, like, you know, and the guys and like Suarez in the World Cup, there was a player behind him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The last man, it's it's denying a goal scoring opportunity. You yeah, know? so it, it's the same. You know, that is what the rule is, and I, and I felt that he did, even though it technically he wasn't the last man. I thought that Thompson would have got a clean shot on goal before. Um, I can't remember. Was it Chris Coyne was was behind him or? Yeah. Um, before he would have got there, but I mean the the, the penalty decision was yeah. really sort of. Well, refereeing's really come into focus, isn't it, this week? And well, I mean, it's, it seems like a pretty common conversation all around the world. But it, again, not been a great week, has it? For you know, talking too much about the ref, you shouldn't be talking about him at all. And the weird one with that, with that, was to, having already sent somebody off for denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. Is if you give away that penalty in that position, it's either a red card or it's not a penalty. In my view, you gave him a yellow card. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but credit to Perth, um, 2 0 down, 10 men, everything going against them. I must admit, I did not back them to, uh, to come back from that, and they did. Um, showed some great resilience, uh, a screamer from Andrezinho, and then, uh, and then Shane Smeltz. But you've got to, you know, let's talk about victory. I mean, we've got to talk about the defensive. Yeah. Capabilities of it. I mean, that goal was considering that you were a man, you know, had a man superior. The space that Smelt's got and the space that the player had to cross it was unbelievable. And they've got good players at the back, Victory, really. Yeah. When you think about yeah. it, you know, Leia's a great defender. I mean, um, and Vargas. And Vargas, you know, experienced, experienced player. You know. Yeah, it's most certainly, you know, shouldn't be happening. Um, you know, cracking free kick, and then I suppose with, with Smelt's in and about, um, he's the type of player that. He's going to put that away. I mean, he even had a chance at the death as well, I believe, didn't he? And it, it could have could have been even worse. I mean, that, those victory fans that pack that stadium each week haven't seen a win yet, have they? No. And obviously that increases the the spotlight and the pressure on the, on Mehmet Djurakovic, um, who obviously you know it's his first uh, season in charge. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other factors going on there. Harry's, you know, Harry Kiel being there. I mean, do we see him surviving this? Is it is it at that critical stage now where the next result might be critical? Or? Uh, no, no, I mean, not really. They're, they're not that far off the top. They've not lost that many games. They're just sort of stalling with a few draws. And he should certainly be given more time than, you know, he, he currently is. I mean, what, what I always often think with managers, and it, this perhaps isn't the fairest way to, to the manager, that unless you've got an idea of someone you can line up, then I don't think there's, there's any reason why he wouldn't. Because, I mean, who else would come in unless they could get, like, a marquee? I mean, people talk about, you know, Roy Keane and Terry Butcher. The, it was the latest rumour going around. Terry Butcher? Well, the two of them are, you know, a, a, maybe coming to God, line up with no. Muscat for probably the scariest football management trio um, ever. God, no, no, no I, I, I do think he should be given a little bit more time. But there's a feeling like the victory fans, you know, 
what underwear on Tobias' appointment in the first place. Um, so they're you know not going to jump to his defence. Um, and yeah, the the next three or four games is is going to be you know vital. But I think it, I'd give him to till January. I think whilst you're right, you know they're, they're only three points off second. I, I don't necessarily think it's the results. I think it's the manner of the results that mm. is the key. You know, it, it is not being able to hold a you know two two draw with Perth on paper. Okay, fair enough. Perth are above us in the league. It's the manner of that result. Oh yes, two nil up with ten shock, men, not being able to see that out. But also, I think, you know, it's sort of like, I believe in the press conference afterwards, he talked about, you know, that the fact that, it, that he's waiting for their luck to change. You won't get any more lucky than they got there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we've been gifted that, is that first goal. Some would argue about the red card. I wouldn't, but the, but the penalty certainly was a gift that they're, they're not going to get every week and they couldn't capitalise on it. So I think mm. there's, um, we'll talk about, obviously, other goings on at Melbourne Victory in the, in the news section, but, um, or there's a few things there that, that suggest that, that things aren't right in that camp and, and something's going to give soon. You get that feeling that something's brewing there. It's just a shocker that, that you know they're the lowest scorers in the division with only six goals. I mean, you know, Brisbane get that in some games. You know, <laughs> so that, that's the real surprise that they just haven't lined up or played in the way that you'd expect them to at all. I mean, hopefully Harry will be back um, next week, or sorry, this week, possibly, I suppose. And, you know, if, if he can settle back in, that might make a difference. All right, well, that's it for part one. That was A-League round seven. Um, we pretty much covered off the ladder, but uh, it was Brisbane in first, Central Coast Mariners, Sydney FC on 11 points, Perth on 10, Melbourne Heart and Newcastle Jets on nine, Victory and Adelaide on eight, Wellington on six, Gold Coast on five. Uh, that's it for part one. We'll be back in part two to look at some of the headlines on what's been another busy news week on our website, au.442.com. The December issue of 442 Magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony DiRigo and Billy Mamet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Uh, we're now going to look at some of the headlines, news headlines on our website, au.442.com. This week, and it's been another busy week, let's start and stay with Melbourne Victory. Um, as we talked about, you know, some of the, is, is what's going on in the pitch a symptom of, uh, of something that's going on off it? We've seen uh, Francis Awaratifi, um, director of football for just four months, has left the club. Um, Rumours behind there, of, you know, he's a victim of, of, of backroom wrangling with key figures inside and outside the boardroom looking for changes in the management structure as a result of what's been going on the pitch. Uh, there's talk of um, a new football director, uh, Argentinian Abel Balbo. Um, and another instance of this is that Harry Kuehl has apparently uh, engaged Abel Balbo's services as a private coach. Yeah. Which... It's not really the biggest vote of confidence in the yeah in, sh- in his head coach at Melbourne Victory. I mean this you know this guy it doesn't say that he's a conditioning coach, which uh, Harry's done throughout his career. He's had a, his, his own conditioning coach, Les Gellis, for a while. Yeah. Um, this is he's engaged his own coach. Well, I mean it's, it's bizarre really because you know we're not talking about youngster that needs a bit more attention. I mean this is a really experienced footballer. I mean does he need a, a one-on-one coach? What's his role going to involve? It's a it's a bizarre one, and 
and so too with the Francis thing. I mean, I, I do feel for him. You know, he's a friend of the pod, and he, he genuinely is one of one of the good guys in Australian football, isn't he? And incredibly passionate about the game. And it's a strange position, the director of football, because you don't, you know, you don't often know where they stand because they're not right at the top of the, the tree. And I always just remember Harry Redknapp's comments when he did it at Portsmouth, and he just said he didn't know what he was doing. Mm. It's it's a bizarre middle floating role that often. Well, know, I think you know, I, I think. It's a, it's a, there was never really much clarification as to what this director of football role meant. Yeah. Director of football in Europe tends to be somebody who is predominantly involved in signing players, bringing players to the club that fit the, you know, let's call it the vision and philosophy of the club. And, mm. and you know, therefore, you know, so you see it a lot of things like Barcelona, Real Madrid, you know. And it's almost like the coach is transient, the director of football and the, the club's vision and philosophy, the type of player they sign is, is, is you know, is separated from who the, the head coach is. And it's very yeah. much more that head coach rather than a Fergie-style manager. Um, and it's, you know, I know, you know, when Fran- Francis went in there, he talked about, you know, the Barcelona and ethos and that sort of thing. And it would be interesting to find out how much of that he was actually able to you know, mm. to, to, to implement because it, you can't go into a club in, like Melbourne Victory that's seven years old and instill a Barcelona ethos that, that has been 100 years in the making and a very, very different club yeah. and background and, you know, Man- identity. Resources. And, yeah, you know, so Melbourne Victory has got to create Melbourne Victory's vision and philosophy that suits where they are in their, their life cycle, yeah. you know. Um, and I, I, I didn't certainly didn't see that that was coming through. I don't see that Melbourne Victory are adopting any different uh, sort of philosophy than they were no. previously, you know, and if you looked at I don't look on Twitter, a fair few of the Melbourne Victory fans were saying that the side they put out against Perth was, was basically early Merrick's side. Yeah. You know, Roas on the bench, you know, and obviously no Harry there, and, you know, Olsop and Thompson up front again, you know. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to talk to him. Maybe we'll invite him onto the pod and see if he's willing to, uh, to to have a discussion as to what he was actually able to do we'll, in the role. We'll let the pod guys um, know ahead of time so you can clear off your, your iPods and your iPhones to fit the uh, extended Awaratifi pod on. Still holds a record, actually, that pod. Really? But yeah, long, the longest ever, ever podcast, yeah. Uh, well, well, staying with Melbourne, uh, news that was broke overnight. Um, I got a late-night text myself on this and... Uh, Lent over and read it. Oh, oh, someone will pick that up in the morning. <laughs> and it was picked up this morning that um, that Harry Kuehl has parted ways with Bernie Mandich after a long time. I mean, um, that, yeah, I mean that's a that's a real surprise. I mean, they never had a contracted agreement. It's only ever been a handshake. But um, Bernie's known Harry since they were since sorry since he was a kid. Um, coming through you know ahead of when he went over to, to Leeds and what have you so it seems to be based on a, on a pretty strong friendship and some of the things they've gone through I'm quite surprised that now they're back here that something would have happened that, yeah you know, I mean I don't know I mean I guess there's, there's a few ways you could look at this one would be maybe Harry's now reached the point where he's on his last contract mm-hmm. you know he's, on, he, he's his own man he's back here with his family he's settled down in Melbourne it's almost like well, what else you know what do I need you for, sort of thing, or maybe he's reached a point where he wants to be in control of his own affairs. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, the other side of it is, and, and I think the story that, that, that that's been alluded to, or part of the chat on Twitter, is you know, is, is maybe Harry has been disappointed by how he's been portrayed 
through the whole contract wrangling that's ended up with him getting to victory and has said, right, you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly the, the obvious for me was, do you remember the first game, the Sydney game, when mm. Bernie was in the tunnel? Yeah. Taking photos of Harry on his mobile phone? Mm. I was like, watch that. I was like, I can't imagine any other agent would be allowed to do that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, you know, we've always had a, a great relationship with Bernie, but, I mean, that's not consistent across every media organisation. So, you know, some people have uh, had their clashes yeah. with Bernie, and I think they'll probably be quite relieved that, you know, he's no longer looking after Harry. But, like you say, Bernie's renowned as a contract negotiator. So if you're moving, have Bernie by your side, because he'll certainly get you the best deal. And like you say, you know, if this is Harry's last move, or certainly coming back, even if he ended up going to another A-League club, then yeah, you, perhaps you don't need that person by your side anymore. And in, in terms of media appearances and stuff, I'm sure most of it goes through the FFA and Melbourne Victory. So yeah, all right, we'll follow that. Um, sticking with Melbourne just for one final other story was uh, three key figures um, have come out in support. Is this the dreaded vote of confidence from Emmett? Do not want this. <laughs> um, Harry Kuehl, Archie Thompson, and uh, managing director Richard Wilson have all thrown their support behind. Uh, Mehmet, and that he will, uh, given time, sort things out. Um, they haven't said, and they never do, how much time, yeah. which is always the million-dollar question. But uh, as we said, we'll, uh, we'll see how long he gets to do that. Um, all right, moving away from Melbourne. Um, Andy Slorry, Adelaide yeah. United midfielder, um, retired with immediate effect. Didn't see that coming. Didn't I see didn't, it coming. There were rumours of a fallout between him and uh, Rini Coolen. Yeah. Um, but he's decided to give up the game. He's played, made 11 appearances for the Reds and uh, just said he, I mean, you know, very honest from a, from a footballer. Just said, look, I just don't have the passion and the drive to continue to play at the, at the professional level anymore. Well, I mean, I suppose for some people that's hard to understand because, you know, we love football so much. But it's a full-on job. You've got to be committed to it if you're going to do it. And if you've not got the passion to play, um, then, yeah, I can, I can understand. But, I mean, it's a shame, really. I mean, they had a little bit of time at West Brom and he won a cap for the Netherlands. I think he's yeah. only got one cap. And then at just 29, he's uh, decided he doesn't want to play. Well, I mean, reading Coolan's quotes in this story, it suggests that, that this, he, this was his state of mind before he came here. Yes. And yeah, Coolan yeah. sort of said, look, come and give it a try. Lifestyle, you know, maybe, you know, not as frenetic, not as high intensity. That may, you know, maybe you'll, you'll find your feet again. You know, and he said that was one of the reasons he came to Australia to try and change his feeling about football and bring back his happiness for the game. And, uh, and he obviously hasn't managed to do it. So uh, the club and, and Rini have said he leaves with their blessing and wish them all the best. But obviously that then potentially frees up a spot for Adelaide um, to bring somebody else in and, and, uh, and an overseas visa player at that. So, yeah. I mean, he's certainly been underperforming, so I I'm not sure Adelaide fans will be overly concerned about that. Uh, back to Melbourne. Yes. <laughs> Amy Park will host its first Socceroos game uh, on February the 29th, the, uh, the final third round qualifying match. Uh, obviously, uh, from a result perspective, it's, uh, it's, it's academic because we're already in the final, uh, the, the, the next round of qualifying, the final round of qualifying, round four. However, um, it's, it'll be the first time that the Socceroos will have played at Amy Park uh, Rectangular Stadium. So hopefully that will uh, be enough to, uh, to get a, d a good crowd in Melbourne. Yeah, oh, I mean, just a superb decision. It'll be brilliant. If you've got a, 
a dead rubber will be a World Cup qualifier one. I think it's best to take it to Melbourne because it's more likely that people will come out for it. And if you're going to take it to Melbourne, take it to the best football stadium in the city. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think it will, I'd imagine it'll probably sell out. You know, you always get some. Yeah, I think you know. so. And again, you know, um, there's a lot of FFA bashing, some of it blind, some of it justified, but let, let's just well, have a word that. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just saying that, yeah, you know, oh. to their credit, um, the, the ticket pricing, I think, is spot on. You know, they, they also gave Football Family a 10% discount in an opening window, which means that you can go and see the Socceroos at Amy Park for 27 bucks for an adult ticket, which I think is, is perfectly reasonable. And uh, so, you know, fair play to the FFA for that. Excellent. Um, sticking with the FFA, um, Aidan had a... a a chat with uh, the FFA this week and um, talking about the fact that you know they're, they're, they're pointing to the increase in crowds, saying that this has vindicated the October kickoff and the what they call, they call the Big Bang approach, which is you know wait for the other codes to to finish and then come in with a bit of a yeah you know, a bit of a Big Bang, which has seen at, at, at this stage of the season a 47% increase in crowds. Yeah, yeah, excellent. You know, I, I think most people were in support of the shift at the start of the season before it happened because it, it seemed like the logical thing to do. And um, yeah, it certainly you know started well. I mean, that's the one discussion that would be great just to, you know to put aside and concentrate on how good the football is, the crowd. So you know things have picked up as well. You know, not picked up, it increased on Fox viewing and what have you. So yeah, it's, it's quite positive. Yeah, and there was talking this about. Um the potential of an extra or, or half a spot in the Asian Champions League, which yep. would mean the third place, potentially the third place team playing off against an Asian rival for the final Champions League spot. Or, although this wasn't alluded to in the, in the, the chat with the FFA, could that potentially be the spot for the winner of the FFA Cup? Definitely. That they then have a playoff to get into the Asian Champions League. And yes, I know that there's going to be issues with what if an, uh, you know, a state league team won it and their ground wasn't up to scratch? But surely there has to be ways around that. Surely they could play it. You know, yeah, so I say, can't you just SFS play it? Yeah, or Amy Pass just, or something like that. So, yeah, know. Sydney team gets through, whatever. They'll just have to, you know, switch their stadium. But wasn't there other rules about you have to have a certain amount of stupid things, like a certain amount of fans, you know, and registered fans and things like that? Like you have to be a club of a certain size. Um, but yeah, well, so I mean, Gold Coast wouldn't be eligible. Oh. I mean, you could make a case that certain state league sides are more qualified than the Gold Coast to play in the Asian Champions League. I don't know. But then I'd argue that I'm, I'm sure when Newcastle played in the Asian Champions League, their memberships would have been tiny. Yeah. It's only recently that with the ticket pricing that, that um, Hunter Sports Group have bought in. I that... think it might be average attendances. Right, OK. So um, it has okay. to be like a certain level so that, you know, not a, a real minnow can... Skip but it would certainly be a great story and a great way to launch the uh, the FFA Cup that you know the winner has the you know has the chance to go and play against Asia's best that make it yeah. make it exciting. Um, Jonas Sally, oft talked about Jonas Sally. Now it's time for the Gold Coast. So how many teams is this he's played for now? I don't know. He's done the rounds. Definitely Adelaide, Sydney, yeah, Wellington, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gold Coast now I'm sure he plays somewhere else yeah. uh, so he's now back with the Gold Coast um, he's been in China most recently um, just doesn't like what to settle anyway. as a signing <laughs> yeah I mean you know they're saying that the Gold Coast needs something else they need something different don't they to to sort of push forward and it's good to see them make a signing I mean I don't think they'll be falling over themselves in terms of 
um, how much a difference a sort of midfield enforcer like him's going to make. But yeah, you know, a, a good addition to a struggling team, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. Uh, friend of the pod, Kay Murray. Yeah. Um, our, uh, our Middlesbrough lass over in Madrid. Uh, did an interview with Aidan about uh, her experiences with Beckham. Obviously, we're uh, with uh, LA Galaxy winning the MLS Cup uh, this week, Monday, and Beckham taking finally lifting the trophy, um, continuing his uh, his record of lifting the trophy with every team that he plays for. Yeah. Um, she was talking about her experience of meeting him and, and what it was like. Obviously, she was working on Real Madrid TV and she spoke about that when uh, when she was in, uh, building up towards uh, Victory's game against LA Galaxy on December the 6th. Yeah, good good little sort of extra addition, you know, to, to know that and to get an idea of um, how the A-League stacks up against MLS. Mind you, these, these friendlies are normally far more open than a competitive game, which is a good thing if you're going to um, go along. Um, yeah, it, it was a you know interesting chat. I wonder if she's a little bit annoyed at that picture she had with Beckham. There's an idiot in the background taking a picture of the back of their heads. <laughs> ruined a very special moment. Could have photoshopped him, mate. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we, you know, we've been very busy this week. We'll be producing the, uh, the official match day programme for this game. Um, so if you're heading along, make sure you pick up a copy. Um, very special souvenir edition. Plenty of Beckham content, but also plenty of Melbourne Victory content. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, when is it? A week on Tuesday now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joel Griffiths uh, is back in Australia on holiday um, after a successful season with Beijing. as rubbish speculation. Linking in with a move to their rivals, Shanghai Shenhua. Um, there was talk of him been caught back, either back to Newcastle or Sydney, which he's, um, he said no, Sydney was never an option. Um, interesting, he's, he's, uh, his agent has said that he's most likely sort of will be to stay in China. Uh, he's 32 now. I didn't think he was that old. Hmm. Yeah, no, he's, he certainly seems settled in China. He's playing well and he seems pretty strong on the line that he's not coming back to the A-League. Um so yeah, I think we we might have seen the last of him, or might have seen the last of him before he's thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, and he seems to become you know fairly well liked over there and a bit of a star. You know, he spent three years over there now. It's one of those places as we, we saw with other players that you know Shane Smeltz most uh, prominently was. I think you either get on with it or you don't. Yeah, you, know, you get there and you can either adapt and, and integrate, or it's immediately you like what have I done? And, yeah. and to to his credit. Joel seems to have settled there, and um, and, and why not? Shane Smells went to like industrial China as well, though, didn't he? I'm not sure it was, <laughs> yeah. it was in, like an easy place to settle. Yeah. All right, that's it for uh, part two. That's all the news from our website, au.442.com. Well, it's not all the news, is it? I mean, there's no. about 20 stories Just a the... day, but that was, <laughs> that was a selection of the best news. Uh, we were going to turn our attention to England uh, in part three for our weekly roundup of what's going on in the English Premier League. So uh, join us after the break. Don't buy a car until you check out behindthewheel.com.au. Australia's number one radio motoring brand is now online and available to you 24-7. At behindthewheel.com.au, you can check out our huge array of car reviews with great unbiased opinions on the latest new cars. And while you're at behindthewheel.com.au, check out the latest auto industry news. It's also a great place to discuss cars and motoring with your feedback always welcome. Head there now, behindthewheel.com.au. Back to 442 Insider.
Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention to England for part three, where we'll look at the English Premier League. And last weekend's round of games saw Man City uh, now hold the only unbeaten record as they uh, beat Newcastle 3-1 at home. Yep. Um, probably the, the game of the week and the result of it is probably Chelsea-Liverpool, uh, where... Maxi Rodriguez and a late winner from Glenn Johnson heaps the pressure on the AVB. Really is heaps on now, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, Liverpool have been a little bit up and down and had a few sort of flat results against teams you'd expect them to beat. Um, but if they're sort of serious about the top four, and it, it feels like there's, um, in what previously looked like quite a locked top four, it now looks like there's two Champions League spots up for grabs and then, you know, third and fourth. Um, we'll talk about Tottenham in a minute, but they've got every right to, to stake a claim on third. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you'd say Man City, Man United are nailed on. Yeah. I'd argue. And then you're probably looking at certainly Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool and Arsenal. And, you know, Newcastle, I can't see Newcastle no. lasting the distance. But even still, that's, that's four sides going for two spots. And, and every possibility... That for the first time in what the Champions League era, yeah, Chelsea and Arsenal might not be in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean you, you always used to talk about the the traditional big four in England, you know, which was you know Arsenal, Manchester United, Liverpool, and Chelsea, and it's like I prefer to talk about it as Aston Villa, Liverpool, Nottingham Forest. <laughs> they were the days. And Ipswich. <laughs> um, and and it it looks a a very good chance that only Man U would be in the you know top four of that. Traditional big four, as it's known. Um, yeah, well, I mean, as our uh, as our resident Spurs fan, Maka would tell us, as, as a shareholder, um, Spurs are in the process of trying to delist themselves from the uh, stock exchange to allow themselves to sort of uh, free up uh, funds, like to to redevelop the stadium, but also it appears to potentially relax their quite rigid wage structure. Right. Um, and you know, getting into the Champions League would be another sort of signal. You know, another point along the way to get back in and, and I guess you know then the question is they're probably looking at this going you know Chelsea you know Arsenal is now the opportunity for Spurs with investment to cement a place in that top four and, and potentially have five six seven years unbroken Champions League um, yeah. experience you know I think if they do make the Champions League the first thing they'll need to do in the close season is get a new coach I still think Harry will go to England. Really? If, 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 if he won't be able to resist it, really. I mean, if it's offered I, to him, I think he's it. been quite open about that. You know, yeah. you can't really blame him. You know, he, he's getting near the end of his career and stuff, and it would be a big deal to, uh, you know, get to play. For, uh, you know, get to manage England. Yeah. Well, Spurs uh, didn't really, were well, never really tested against Villa. Um, we made their lives very easy with a, a quite baffling team selection by Alex McLeish. Mm. Um, Emil Heskey on the left side of midfield, Alan Hutton on the right. Trying to reinvent himself. Jesus. But anyway, it was it was appalling. Yeah, just another surrender from um, you know from Alex McLeish and the pressure's mounting on him there. But I just can't see them getting rid of him. You know, they, they've put him there. They've put him on a long-term deal. Um, it it's d- just depressing. Not even going out and giving it a go. I'd rather see us lose four 0 and at least give it a go than go out with no other intention than trying to stop them playing and, and not getting anything. But I mean would he be would he be under pressure if he um if he finished, you know, I mean currently eighth in the season, you're in a relegation battle for a lot of last season, it would be a bit harsh, wouldn't it, to, to get rid of him? Uh I want him out. Never <laughs> oh, wanted no, him. No they didn't. Never wanted him. Nothing that I've uh, I've seen 
to date has uh, convinced me that he's the right man for the job. But anyway, we'll leave Villa there and uh, get on to some positive uh, news. Arsenal's resurgence uh, continues. Uh, they're up into seventh now. Uh, there's three teams locked on 22 points there. Uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. Uh, Van Persie, unbelievable scoring runnies on the last 12 months. So I think he's... Uh, that's like 33 in the last 30 or something. Well, yeah, I th- yeah in the calendar year, his um, goals per game is up there with the, um, you know, Messi and Ronaldo's. It's, you know, that good. Yeah, so the 2-1 win at Norwich, uh, not an easy place to go. Norwich no. have, been, uh, have been acquitting themselves well. Uh, let's see about Stoke. Stoke went down 3-2 to, uh, to QPR. QPR a bit hit and miss, aren't they? They're up in ninth. And, which, uh, and so are Stoke. Yeah, <laughs> so. you know, and Stoke seem to be really struggling with uh, Europa League. They're actually doing very well in the Europa League, yeah. but they haven't won a game in the in the Premier League game that follows the Europa League game. Um, so they, you know, you often see this with teams that are in Europe for the first time uh, struggling with the demands of playing on a as is a Thursday and a Sunday in the Europa League. Uh, Man United, I think it's, it's their. Third or fourth one nil win since they got smacked by Man City. They've won the title, don't they? One nil wins previously. Just winning at home and winning, you know, one nil away from home was, uh, you know, was enough. Again, a bit like the Arsenal fixture. It's not, um, you know, Swansea obviously aren't going brilliantly, but they're thirteenth in the league after just getting promoted. Um, and yeah, that's uh, again Hernandez popping up with I mean, how many important goals has he got since he joined? Yeah, and they've been boosted us by the return of Vidic and, and Ferdinand, who have both been struggling with injuries. I mean, um, they're excellent at the back, man. You, they look yeah, but it is almost as if like they, that whooping at home to Man City, like Fergie's gone right. That's it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're defending first, and then we'll nick, we'll nick a goal. Yeah, um, yeah. So. It, it, it's been interesting how they've, they've bounced back from that. Just on, you know, obviously, you know, City are five points clear of, of Man United, but, you know, Man United have had bigger uh, gaps than this and have clawed teams back. Um, what was interesting, I think, is that Man City, uh, the first 12 games, can't argue the way they played. They've mm. scored goals, or they scored 42 goals in, in 12 games. They've actually scored four more goals away from home than they have at home. However... Mm. Let's look at the Champions League. Two massive games in the Champions League, and Mancini's failed in both. Yeah. Napoli away, Bayern Munich away, because he's reverted back to the what a lot of people were saying was going to hold Man City back from winning the Premier League, which is that cautious first approach. Yeah. Um, and I guess the question mark is: is it's all very well to play Cavalier and you know four you know four men rotating up front in the first twelve games. The real pressure comes in the final 12 games is that when push comes to shove, you're willing to do it when it really, really matters. Mm. And that, to me, is still a question mark over Mancini, you know, over Mancini when in those biggest games, you know, and they're in danger of going out of the Champions League now. It's not, well, it's th- not th- in their hands. I think they almost certainly will. But yeah. in another sense, in the, you know, they've just mainly got the league to concentrate on and they're already running away with that. So no Champions League pressure, is that going to make it even easier for them to win the Premier League? True. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. But it, again, it might be interesting that you know we've seen two massive games so far and, mm. uh, and they, they've, sort of, they've not been able to, to overcome that. So it'd be interesting to see in the second half of the season. But from a Premier League perspective, you can't fault what he's done or, or how they've played. I'm, uh, I'm bet- you know, if, if Manchester United, which looks like they will be, you know, are going to be behind certainly going into the Christmas period and if it stays that way going into Easter 
will be the, the, the Fergie mind games. Because I think they go on quite well at the moment, Fergie and Manchin. I've, I've seen a few comments, but if Fergie thinks that he can gain a point or rattle a cage by a few comments, he will not hold back. So I hope they are a little bit behind. Yeah, excellent. All right, last uh, game. Wigan 3, Blackburn 3. Notable for, uh, for a refereeing miss. Uh, we talk about the A-League. Um, shows that the, the Premier League is not uh, immune to refereeing blunders. Uh, if you've not seen it, this was uh, a, a corner, a short corner that wasn't a short corner from Blackburn. Yakubu ran over, put his hand on the ball uh, to put it, you know, to, to rest it within the, the quadrant and then ran, ran off. Uh, Morton Gams Pedersen ran over and just dribbled it in as if uh, Yakubu had touched it, had played it with his foot, which he obviously hadn't. Uh, cross came over and uh, Hoylet scored. So, you know, we're not immune to uh, to missing. Um, although I did, I was listening to the Times podcast today, and, and uh, Patrick Barkley was talking about well, why shouldn't you be able to just dribble from a corner, <laughs> just play it to yourself and dribble in? Why not? Interesting rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was talking about you know the fact that that he believes that football's rules are still like geared towards like in favour of the defensive side rather than the attacking side. Mm. Yeah, so he's like, why, why don't we change the rules? So you can just put the ball down, dribble it in. Yeah. So if you get the ball quickly, so it gives the benefit to the attacking side, the defence can't wait, you know, it's like interesting concept. Yeah. Well, don't mind you thinking. I, I don't mind the odd, you know, rule tweak. I mean, not, um, you know, when the MLS set up type, you know, rule tweaks that they were sort of talking about. But the odd things like that, which move with how the game's changed, then all, all for them. I mean, could you imagine how you'd have to set yourself up defensively if Lionel Messi could get the ball and just dribble it straight from a corner? I mean, it would, you know, you, it would open up the penalty box completely because they'd probably have to send two men out there. Yeah, yeah, because, you, 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 you know, you know something's coming. Man, yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I think it'd be quite interesting. I, I was sat there driving into work as well. I was like, so what, that, that would be one of those things that could change things. Yeah. And he was saying the same with free kicks. Right. You know, like you put the ball down where where the referee says, why can't you just play? Yeah, it's a free kick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to argue with it, really. Yeah. But so I mean, the last rule change that really revolutionised the game was the back pass rule. Yeah. You know, and again, that that was in favour of a, you know attacking football because mm. teams just couldn't pass it back to the keeper, get it back, and waste time, and look at how that's that's improved the game. So. There you go. Interesting yep. uh, philosophical debate there. Head yeah. to the forums and, uh, and have your say. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Fixes. Let's look at uh, what's coming up this weekend and uh, see what sportingbet.com have got to say about that. Uh, games this weekend. Stoke versus Blackburn. Yes. Inspiring you, Trev? It's going to be some great stuff happening there. I mean, talk about Stoke's consistency. Um, I mean, th- this is a game that they almost certainly to target to win. I mean, they were going so well, Stoke. They were talking about, you know, sniffing around the sort of sixth, seventh spot and they now find themselves back down in 14th and the money they've spent, they don't want to get involved in a in a relegation scrap. But um, Blackburn are a very, very difficult team to tip to win, so I, th- I think I might have to stick with Stoke. All right, Sporting Bet would agree with you. Stoke are $1.74, the draw's $3.50, Blackburn $4.75. Uh, Bolton, Everton. Yeah. Yeah, Bolton still finds Bolton's themselves... still in the relegation zone. Um, yeah. Everton, you know, in 12th, game in hand, you know, could go up to... Could go up above Villa into 8th, you know, which, considering the, the financial 
pressures that they're under and the fact that they had no transfer budget, no one, you know, a couple of loan signings came in and I, and I think the, the Greek lad they picked up for like a quarter of a million pounds or something, yeah. it looks at a handy sign. I mean, that, it's a phenomenal achievement again from Moyes, but again, the question mark's got to be, you know, how long will he continue under the, these pressures and the, these restrictions? Yeah. And, and would, would Spurs potentially be a, an option for him if, as you predict, Redknapp goes to England? I mean, it, it, it would have to be. There must be... There's no way a guy could become a Premier League manager unless he had a lot of very strong burning ambition to make it to the top. So, you know, the, the Villa post, I suppose, was the one in the closed season that, you know, could have seen like an option to him. I know you were keen to, to pick him up, oh, I mean, I'd have loved him to have been around, mm. but, you know, in hindsight, maybe he had some inside word that, that said, stay away, you know, they're about to become potentially another Everton. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, the uh, Sporting Bet have got it $2.90 Bolton, $3.25 the draw, and $2.40 Everton. So Everton, slight favourites there, which the league table would suggest. And Bolton have been awful at home. I mean, well, one big win over Stoke, but other than that, they've been terrible. Chelsea Wolves. Wolves are uh, just outside the relegation zone on 11 points. Chelsea, obviously, are having a bit of a wobble at the moment. Yeah. Uh, certainly defensively, this isn't the, the, the Chelsea of old. David Luiz... Uh, He's playing his own brand of uh, defending. Uh, John Terry <laughs> has got his issues on and off the pitch. Um, you know, I think the danger is that John Terry's issues off the pitch are clouding the fact that he's actually not performing on it. No, no, he's you know a player that was never quick is now seems to be getting exposed on a on a regular basis for that. This this game for Chelsea, you know, you want to get your season back on track. I, I suppose you want an easy home game. That's one way of looking at it. But the other way is, if they lose or don't win, then Deep, deep crisis. Yeah. Coach Chelsea, might have gone from that. Chelsea are $1.20. The draw's $5.75. And Wolves are 11 bucks. That's copy worth a lazy five, right? <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> the moment? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, all right. Uh, Man United, Newcastle. Tough run of games for Newcastle. You know, a lot of this was talked about with their, their league position could be seen as slightly false. Although, you know, let's, let's be fair. 11 games undefeated isn't a false position. However... You know, they, they back up from Man City this week to Man United, and I think they've got Chelsea next week. I think it's three tough games on the bounce. Uh, Old Trafford for them. Uh, Sporting better got it. Man United $1.36. The draw $4.50, and Newcastle 9 bucks. Yeah, this could be a good. I think Rooney might possibly miss this one, and I reckon Newcastle are, are really going to go for it as well. So, if they, you know, if anyone's got the chance to catch this one, I reckon it could be a, could be a cracker, but... I'd, I think Man U still might have a little bit too much. Okay, Norwich QPR. Uh, battle between the two sides promoted last year. Um, Sporting Bet got it $2.20 Norwich. The draw $3.30 and QPR $3.20. So outsiders QPR. Trev, do you see QPR pulling off an upset there? Maybe. I mean, it's <laughs> difficult to know what side will turn up, really, isn't it? Who knows? Um, you know, Norwich, despite the fact they, they lost, to, lost to Van Persie last week, um, have been going well at home and... Uh, um, I think it'll be close. It might be a draw, that one. Okay, Sunderland, Wigan. Uh, Wigan desperately need a win. Bottom of the league at the moment. But they're, they're accustomed to that. Looks like it's been another long season for them. Um, away at Sunderland, who you know aren't performing where they would expect to have done, given the, uh, the wholesale changes that Bruce has, uh, Steve Bruce has made there. Trev, Sunderland, $1.63. Wigan $5.50. The draw, $3.60. Yeah, I think, I think Sunderland will win that. Wigan feel like they're... Going through the motions a little bit, they're already, you know, five points cut off. 
um, at the bottom in terms of getting out of the relegation zone. And a lot of those, you know, the teams that are sort of 17th and above are better than them. So I'll, I would be surprised to see them survive and I'll, I think they'll lose at Sunderland. West Brom Spurs. Uh, West Brom boosted by the return of Shane Long, who scored uh, on his return to the side last week. Uh, host Spurs, high-flying Spurs in third. Um, Spurs are $1.85, West Brom 4 bucks, draw $3.55. Mm. Yeah, West Brom uh, crept up into the top 10 now, which I hadn't realised at first because I understood that they'd been going pretty slowly or pretty poorly. Um, yeah, the, the kind of game that, you know, if Tottenham um, really want to establish themselves as a top four or top three side, we need to go there and win. But, I mean, you know, Tottenham, other than those early defeats that they had against the two Manchester teams, haven't lost since. And um, as Harry, you know, pointed out, they are they are on sort of you know championship form at the moment, and not actually that far behind Man U really, which is I'm not I don't think they'll be above Man U at the end of the season, but you know, all things considered, that's... well, they've got a game in hand. If they win that game in hand. That's obviously that game against Everton that was uh, postponed at the start of the season due to the riots. They'd, they'd be a point behind Man United. Yeah. Right, Arsenal Fulham. Uh, can the Arsenal revival continue? They're at home to uh, neighbours Fulham, uh, who are on 11 points, equal 15th. Arsenal a dollar 40. The draws four bucks, and Fulham a seven dollars 25. Yeah, that's the late game, so that that's certainly one worth you know recording or or watching. Yeah, I, th- I think Arsenal will carry on plugging away there, pick up another win, perhaps two one. Okay, Sunday games, two blockbusters. First blockbuster being Swansea Villa. Sentences, what? sentences you've never heard before include. What? <laughs> what? Swansea, yeah. Um, bookies. Oh, how depressing. Oh, no, I was wondering. Swansea are favourites. <laughs> Sporting bet have got Swansea two dollars twenty, Villa three dollars twenty-five, and the draw three dollars twenty-five. Difficult to argue with that on our current form, and Swansea do pass the ball very well, which means that uh, Emil Heskey will be doing a lot of running in midfield. Um, yeah, I've got to be honest, this doesn't really fill me with much confidence. Well, I think that'll be a draw. I think you'll, you reckon? Yeah, pick up a, a point there, I'd imagine. And the uh, the final game of the weekend, arguably the game of the weekend, uh, Liverpool-Man City. Yeah. Uh, can Man City bounce back from um, from their Champions League disappointment? And can Liverpool continue their uh, their good form um, and their win at Chelsea? I mean, this is a massive game. You know, it's yeah. like, You'd have to say that Liverpool would, would fancy this. Yeah, they'll fancy giving this a go. Yeah, and Pop um, will be in good voice. Be a fantastic atmosphere, and the Man U fans will be cheering on Liverpool yeah, in a way that they never have done before. But I still just think that Man City have too much, and you know when they get going, there's too many goals in that team. And yeah, I'm going to go for an away win. Really? Well, uh, the Sporting Bet have got it: two dollars seventy Liverpool, two dollars fifty-five Man City, three dollars thirty the draw. I'm going to go for the draw in that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I mentioned that anyone who enjoys hard-nosed industrial football, West Ham are on TV this weekend. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, got? Derby. Brilliant. So, uh, ho- Who's ho- manager of Derby, then? Uh, Is it Nigel Clough? Yeah, it might be, actually. Yeah, yeah they started yeah. really well, and they've fallen away. Um, West Ham are a little bit more attractive at home than they are away from home. But yeah. but we, when we won last week, I think that's we've won more games this season than we did last brilliant so, <laughs> so i can't really complain excellent all right well there it is you know two teams in claret and blue should be taking up your viewing this weekend on uh, on fox sports so all right that's it for part three we'll be back in the final part of this podcast to uh to preview the a-league round eight i believe yes
The December issue of 442 magazine is on sale now. Inside is a special report on the reignited Manchester rivalry as Man U and Man City do battle for the EPL title. We speak to Ashley Young and Sergio Aguero about the contest. Elsewhere, we interview misfiring Chelsea striker Fernando Torres, catch up with Socceroo hotshot Josh Kennedy, plus interview Han Berger, Tony Dorigo, and Billy Mamet. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We are back in Australia looking at the A-League. Round 8 kicks off uh, tomorrow. Adelaide hosts Newcastle, Highmarsh Stadium. More than well, I mean, I think the Jets are, are looking to avoid an 8th eight, straight away win. Oh, sorry, 8th straight really? away defeat. Yeah, I mean, they've, you know, while they've been very good at picking up points at home this season, continue to load, um, and, and you would think that... Adelaide, the, the support they get at Hohen Marsh and the players that they've got should sweep them aside fairly easily. I mean, certainly if you saw the Jets play at heart, you'd find it very difficult to tip them to go to Adelaide and win. So I think I'll stick with Adelaide. OK, Adelaide uh, on Sporting Bet, $2.10. Newcastle, $3.40. The draw, $3.30. Did um, you see when, how, how far down his return Michael Bridges is? I know he played for the Youth League uh, last weekend. I think he played an hour or so. Um, and and look seemed seem to come through unscathed. So we could excellent. Michael Bridges and Franny Jeffers up front. Old school. The, the same strike force they had last season when they couldn't score. All right, the Mariners. Uh, they host Melbourne Heart. This is the Saturday game, five thirty. Yeah. Uh, this is a, pro- a proper test for Mariners. Dollar seventy eight on Sporting Bet. Melbourne Heart four dollars forty. Strong Oof. outsiders and the draw three dollars fifty. Yeah, a much tougher test for a resurgent Heart team um, against a Mariners team that have hit their stride a little bit and and look you know well on course to be the shake up for the finals. Um, I, I think again I'm going to go for a home win here. You know the, the the Mariners seem to be getting into sort of a nice flow. They they looked good away at Sydney last weekend and. Um, yeah, home win. Okay. Uh, Brisbane, are they going to do it, Trev? Are they going to break the record? 36 games undefeated. They host Perth Glory. Um, do we see Perth spoiling the party? No. Um, close to no chance. Not <laughs> not quite impossible, but I, I think that would be incredibly difficult for a sort of Perth team that historically has never done great on the road. Seems a little bit off the boil at the moment, despite what they achieved at victory last week. And, and yeah, Brisbane, the players will talk about how they're not mindful of that record and it won't matter and stuff, but I think it would be only human to be part of that team and, and want to break that record. And, well, um, presumably Perth, I'm guessing, with two away games with, with Melbourne last week and Brisbane this week, have stayed. I don't know, I would actually. assume that they would have stayed. They stay for a whole week? Yeah, okay. I thought so. Because you think about it, you lose pretty much a day going back then a day coming, you might as well stay. Yeah. The cost of a hotel room compared with the cost of two flights, probably looking at not far off, you know. So I'd be surprised if they have gone back. I'd have thought they would have stayed here and yeah. and trained here. So, you know, maybe the, 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 the travel won't be such of a, a such a, an impediment this week. Um, Sporting Bet have got Brisbane sixty, which I think is pretty generous. Yeah. Um, for a team that hasn't lost for a decade. Um, Perth, five dollars <laughs> fifty. Uh, a draw, three dollars seventy-five. I guess they're probably weeding out of the last couple of uh, home, the last couple of draws. But um, stumbled a little bit, yeah. But yeah. I, I just feel at like home, homes for Perth team with that record in sight that they'll 
they'll have that thrust and impetus from the from the first whistle. So I, I don't think Perth will, you know, disgrace themselves in an Adelaide manner, but I do think that Brisbane will win. Okay, I'm tipping Brisbane to win. Um, all right, Wellington Phoenix hosts Sydney FC. Wellington back at the uh, at the Cake Tin uh, in Wellington after their. Uh, their tour date in Auckland. Um, yep. Let's hope that the, the Wellington crowd is uh, is chivied along by the Auckland turnout and uh, the Yellow Fever get behind the team in, in big numbers for the for the visit of Sydney FC. Um, important for Sydney to bounce back after that. Um, and you'd also say important for Sydney not to give the opposition a two goal lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't help. I'm I'm going to go for the home side here. I'm going to go for Wellington. I think they've been. Um, I think Sydney have been a little bit fortunate so far this season and I think Wellington have been a little bit unfortunate and I think that the balance might be settled a little bit in this game. And, if you um, agree with Trev, you can get decent decent value on Wellington, $2.50 hmm. Wellington to win at home, $2.75 Sydney, the draw $3.25, so Sporting Bet's calling that pretty much a good, I mean, a, coin. a good little double would be Brisbane and Wellington, throw them together. And especially how good my predictions are on the A-League, then I can't, I can't really? imagine who wouldn't yeah. bet on that. Send any abusive emails to uh, <laughs> T. Trahan at haymarketmedia.com.au. Uh, Wellington Victory host Gold Coast United. You're in a bit of a slump. There's a little bit of negativity around the club. The bottom What's team? your dream? <laughs> bottom team coming to town? Surely. Uh, home to the bottom team, who who are no disgrace, I don't think, despite their disgraceful you know, league position. They're, they're no mugs for the players they've got, and, and neither's Miron. So, um, you know, Miron will be telling these players, this is, a, this is the best time to come to victory. Um, it's a little bit like the Chelsea Wolves, you know, fixture, isn't it? A, a sort of mini crisis going on, and you've got what's perceived as an easy game. And... You know, I do feel for the you know victory fans who are so loyal to not have seen a victory yet with with that team. Um, will that will they beat Gold Coast? Uh, yes, just dollar okay. eighty you can get on victory. I've gone for five ho- all home wins this Dare season. Dare you to put go on, put put five bucks on the multi. I might do. <laughs> I might do the Brisbane Wellington double. Uh, victory at dollar eighty on Sporting Bet. Gold Coast four dollars fifty and the draw three dollars forty. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll still go for, for victory there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I know, I've not heard yet whether Harry is fit after uh, returning from Socceroos it, duty early. It's possible, isn't it? I think it might be a last minute. Because, I mean, I don't think he was far off the Perth game last week, so I don't think the injury's too bad. But I think, you know, I just think one of the key things, that, let's compare Brisbane, and we talked about it earlier in the podcast, about that sort of inevitability or that belief. Mm. It, it's that confidence as well, you know, is that, like, with everything that's happened this week, with Francis Waratifi leaving, the Harry stuff, you know, votes of confidence, you know, when teams are doing well and everyone's got confidence, they don't need votes of confidence, you know. Yeah. The, the, the Brisbane board aren't coming out giving Ange a vote of confidence. Mm. The, the results speak for themselves. And I guess that's going to be the key thing with Melbourne, is will Melbourne Victor go out on the pitch, you know, with a confident approach? After, you know, because that's what the coach's job is there to do. You know, mm. is to okay, we've just had an awful result against ten men. Can I in the next week send my team back out with a confidence to win at home against the bottom team? Yeah, that you know, that's that's what it is. You know, it's forgetting about last week. Let's rebuild that confidence and let's send the team out ready to play. And if you know, or do they go out 
full of sort of trepidation, nervousness, afraid to try things because the crowd will get on their back and it's like, you know, and then Gold Coast censor that and sniff on it and go, okay, we've got a chance here. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's every, you know, Gold Coast, despite how they're going, have got every reason to go into this feeling, you know, very positive. And, and victory, all the talk about victory is, you know, clubbing crisis. In fact, that might even be the headline for this podcast, victory clubbing, <laughs> you know, clubbing crisis. And as a player, you, you pick up on this and you, you hear about it and, of course, it has an effect. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to tip Melbourne to win. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to tip him to bounce back. Um, touch of death. But yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, but I'd like you know I'd like to see them. To, you know, I'd like to see Roas start. You know, I'd stay at home. You know, they've got to go after sides a bit more. Um, just just thinking about victory. If, if say for example, you know the you know, it did move on and, and perhaps Muscat became you know first team coach. There'd be another assistant. How did you go with your? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How did you go with your B license? That passed. Congratulations. Got word, got word last Friday from and, and FFA. You, you're so. good mates with Musket as well. Yeah, so. might, might, might drop the CV in if it, <laughs> if it comes to that. Yeah, I handle all the media commitments. Yeah, uh, yeah no, very, very well pleased with that. But I think my, you know, I'm, I'm committed to my under 11s, uh, Sutherland Shire, uh, Skill Acquisition League squad, uh, yep. certainly for the next 12 months. So it would need to be a significant compensation package. God, if Ado listens to this podcast, Jacko <laughs> Jack- says no to victory for 12 months. <laughs> All right. Well, look, and uh, other news. Uh, we are now, for the 442 Spingly Spangly iPad edition <laughs> yeah. is now available on the iTunes newsstand. So if you have the new iOS 5, if you've got a new iPhone or uh, iPad, and newsstand, we are now there. So um, you can uh, download it. And the current issue is still free for the next uh, 10 days. So, uh, Trev, Superb. what have we got coming up in the mag next uh, issue? So, yeah. We, Early we, heads up. That's, that's gone. That's, you know, gone to bed. And that will be out the, uh, I think it might be the, the 4th of December or the, the first Wednesday of December anyway. It's a Socceroos special. So um, sort of a little bit about the road to Rio, how the qualification process is going, how we're going to make, you know, Brazil when we speak to... Lucas Neal, Brett Emerton, um, Brett Holman, Matt Mackay, and Carl Valeri. Wow. So, yeah, big, big Socceroos special um, that will be out very soon. And what else you got in there? Um, Aboriginal football. Yeah. And we speak to, we have a, a feature on the history of its, um, you know, involvement and how it's progressed in Australia. We speak to Travis Dodd, Jade North, um, Rivaldo one-on-one, and quite an interesting feature on five-a-side football. Um, and the effect is had. There's lots of centres springing up, isn't there? There's yeah, we've got, Shire, we've got soccer there? fives in uh, and Gosford. That's part of the Mariners centre of uh, centre of excellence. We've got uh, five sports down my way in the Sutherland Shire. Endeavour Sports High, and there's football fives, which is um, FFV yeah. Football Federation Victoria down in Melbourne. So we're starting to see the the rise of these purpose-built, good quality surface. And they're uh, amazing. Five side. They're, they're they're brilliant, and it, it's became hugely popular in England, more, more so than 11 aside, because it's quite accessible. Um, but it, it, it's really sort of, um, it's, it's quite different as well, especially when they, there's no sort of out, the ball doesn't go out, it just hits the boards. So sort of consonant, and that smaller sided game creates different types of players. So if it really, really takes off, it will affect future generations of Australian players. Um, and it sounds like it's going to as well. And the facilities are really good. Well, I think, you know... Uh, the issue here, for, for very different sort of reasons, very similar to why it took off in the UK, was that the pitches and quality of pitches that players were paying good money to play on week in, week out, were just not up to standard in the UK. It's, they're obviously muddy, and over here it tends to be that they're too hard and, and mm. potholed. And, 
Um, and, you know, people just, as they get older, want to play a, a more social game, five-a-side. It's not got the, you know, it's not got the physical demands, although it is bloody hard work. Well, and, yeah, I mean, the ball doesn't go out. There's no the physical demands of running 100, you know, 100 metres to, to catch a wayward pack. Um, and it, it was such, it, in the UK, it became so popular that the English FA had to run campaigns to lure people back to playing the full-sided game, playing 11-a-side, because numbers dropped that much, because mm. people were quite happy just playing a, in a social league or you know, a semi-serious league on a, on a weekday night. And the, the facilities of these, you know, the places that you mentioned that are jumping up, just sound incredible. Not just the pitches, but um, a lot of them are licensed as well and yeah. have you know canteens so you can go and, play and then you know have food beers, and a beer a afterwards. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, they've yeah, got all fox a bit more and social. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, that's good. So we uh, we profile those and look at those that are that are springing up all over Australia. So uh, that's that's a trend to watch out for. All right, that's it for this week. Uh, enjoy your football this weekend. Get out and watch your uh, your local A League team, particularly you Brisbane fans. Let's see uh, some of the numbers that are at the grand final. Get behind the team because you will have an effect absolutely on whether they end up breaking this record. So we look forward to seeing a, a sea of orange up there. A good Perth team that's coming to town as well. Yeah. You know, so smelts him, what have you. So, yeah. All right, and Victory fans, keep the faith. Get back there. I'm confident that you're going to pick up the win you need this week. So uh, join us next week. That's all for this week's 442 Insider podcast. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.